upliftingly enough in the domain of news and current affairs, a diesel Range Rover has just burned down a four-year-old 20 million pound sterling car park at Luton Airport in Bedfordshire, near London. The building suffered a significant structural collapse. More than 1,000 cars have most probably been destroyed. 140 flights were cancelled. The airport was completely shut down. And in total, 50,000 people were inconvenienced. 100 firefighters spent 12 hours essentially dicing with death. And insurance actuaries found themselves up all night inconveniently, developing painful calluses on their abacus fingers. Such was the frenzy of calculations orbiting the vexed determination of an appropriate amount by which premiums will doubtless need to rise. And of course, there was a lengthy media gasm. I'm John Lidogan from autoexpert.com.au, new cars cheap, Australia only, website, card. Because EVs are functionally a religion in which Elon Musk has become a damn fine Jesus, and where heaven is a kind of electric utopia with free 150 kilowatt DC chargers outside every cloud and no queue ever, it was quite important indeed to exonerate EVs of any and all liability for the Luton conflagration as early as possible. We don't believe it was an electric vehicle. It's believed to be diesel powered. At this stage, all subject to verification. And then that fire has quickly and rapidly spread. Andrew Hopkinson there, the fire chief from the Bedfordshire Fire and Rescue Service. And I really do wonder exactly how many PR operatives got to insert their gloved hands deep into the anus of media messaging around this fire. Like, listen again if you have to, but he's even using religious language. He's believing this and not believing that. And admittedly, I am old school on things of this nature, but to me, the cause of a fire is never a belief issue. Fires happen for a reason. Science says there's always a cause. You can therefore park your belief outside before it makes a right Luton of itself. I'm sure that's going to be a pop culture thing from now on. Anyway, this image screams Range Rover. I can't tell exactly which one, but it looks kind of like an Evoke from the rear lights at least. It could be a diesel hybrid or just a diesel. I really can't tell and I don't know anyone else who can either. In this video, I'm going to give you five observations from the Luton car park fire. And at the end, I'm going to give you some actionable advice next time you find yourself deep in a tightly packed powder keg, by which I mean contemporary car park in median civilization. This report is sponsored by NordVPN. Get four extra months of Nord free now at nordvpn.com AEJC. Say you're in a cafe one day and you think you've just connected to the free Wi-Fi. But in fact, a hacker has just inserted himself between you and the internet and he's about to start ripping you off properly. How would you even know? This is called a man-in-the-middle attack. It's one of the most common ways to get hacked. But there's no law that says you have to be the next victim. 
you need countermeasures. And that's what NordVPN does. NordVPN does the stuff that you and I don't understand in the background. Encrypting your data, hiding your IP address, locking everything down, basically. Go to nordvpn.com slash AEJC now. The two-year plan discount is huge right now. Plus, you're going to get four extra months free. NordVPN.com slash AEJC. Link in the description. Just subscribe, download the app and connect. One click later, your IP address is shielded. Your online traffic is masked with NSA-level encryption across as many as six of your devices. NordVPN is the fastest VPN on the planet. It costs only about as much as one cup of coffee every month to keep your data, your identity and your devices secure. Because your location is masked, you'll be able to access streaming and other services that might be blocked where you live. Plus, you can continue to watch your favourite content when you travel. You might even be able to score some great deals on travel and accommodation that are not available at home. That happens all the time. Go to nordvpn.com slash AEJC now, boost your security and enjoy that discount plus those extra four months of free subscription time. It's totally risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com slash AEJC, link in the description. And thanks to Nord for sponsoring this episode. Getting right into it, observation number one, diesels and fire generally. I would argue that diesel really doesn't want to burn. Like, it doesn't, dude. I know it burns in engines, but it has to be cajoled into doing that. The flash point of diesel, like the temperature it needs to be at to begin forming a flammable vapour mixture in air, is 52 degrees C. That's 126F if you're not from around here. Compared with gasoline, like petrol, minus 43 degrees C, which is minus 45F. This is pretty much why you can put a match out in diesel. But if you try it with petrol, you're probably going to blow your face off. Don't try either, would be my advice. But you could pause this video now and open a new window and search, Will Diesel Explode With A Match? on the YouTube homepage. It's very interesting viewing indeed. When diesel cars burn to the ground, it's usually an electrical fault that causes the fire. Then the plastics burn, and if the diesel itself does join the party, it's ultimately pretty late in the game when everything else is well and truly alight and properly warmed up. A badly designed DPF can also cause a fire. DPFs are essentially a diesel-fed, soot-immolating furnace in the engine bay. What could possibly go wrong there, especially in a Land Rover? If it was a diesel vehicle then, the overwhelming balance of probability is that the cause of the fire had nothing to do with the fuel. Observation number two, was it actually a diesel hybrid? Here's a still from an eyewitness-sourced video of the guilty Range Rover. Note the lack of really thick black smoke. See, if you actually manage to get a pool of leaking diesel to burn, or petrol, albeit much more easily, the fire almost always runs very rich indeed, meaning there's too much fuel and not enough air. See, there's not enough oxygen gas in air in contact 
with the surface area of the liquid to burn the fuel efficiently. So the combustion tends to be somewhat incomplete, meaning it makes a lot of soot, which billows up as thick black smoke. And that's absolutely not what we are seeing here. The smoke seems pretty white to me, in fact, meaning the combustion seems to be running fairly efficiently. Hybrid Range Rovers typically have the battery under the left front seat. That's in all the diagrams, like all the marketing material shows that. That appears to be the region where this particular fire is at its most intense. And it does appear to be energetically venting sort of down and out as opposed to burning up. When lithium-ion batteries enter thermal runaway, they produce their own oxygen gas under pressure because the phosphates or the carbonates in the electrolyte decompose into oxygen gas. So the fire is self-sustaining and somewhat efficient. And this is just a hypothesis about the vehicle potentially being a hybrid. But what we're seeing here seems consistent with the vehicle being a diesel hybrid, perhaps with the battery having something of a bad day, like the 50,000 people it is about to inconvenience. And then here's what happens next. I really don't see diesel fuel on its own managing that. Certainly there's enough energy in diesel, but liberating that energy quickly enough to manage that explosion would be quite the challenge, like unless you pour it into a truck full of superphosphate or something. Hashtag bad idea. An eyewitness told the Daily Mail in the UK that she and her husband had rolled up. They saw the incipient fire. They investigated in case anyone needed help. They went for the nearest fire extinguisher, found it exhausted, i.e. already deployed on the fire. And then they went down one level in the car park for an alternative extinguisher. But when they got back, the fire was too intense to approach. So this suggests to me that the first fire extinguisher may have been completely ineffective at suppressing the fire early on, which fits with the battery hybrid self-sustaining hypothesis. Like you can deprive a battery fire of all of the atmospheric oxygen you want, dude, and it's still gonna burn because it's making its own. Another interesting observation here is that the vehicle's lights are on. And this suggests to me that the 12 volt system has not catastrophically failed. Like if it's a hybrid, the traction battery might be ablaze, but the 12 volt lead acid battery appears to be running the lights just fine. Or perhaps the combustion engine itself is still running. And if that's the case, obviously the fuel system is functional and therefore mostly intact. The lights being on further suggests to me that the vehicle caught fire as it was being parked or on approach to a parking space. It's not likely that the vehicle had been parked for some time, therefore. If that were the case, presumably the lights would be off. I can't see the fire turning the friggin' lights on, but it's a Land Rover and anything's possible. It also seems most likely that the operator of that vehicle noticed the problem, then jumped out, grabbed the proximal extinguisher in the facility. They had a crack with that and failed to extinguish the fire. And then they ran off to get some other form of help. No other scenario, at least to me, seems to fit what we can see here. I'm not saying it's a 100% certainty that this thing is a hybrid. It might also just be a regular diesel. And Doubtless that will be investigated, but on the balance of probability, based on what we can see, based on what's been said, based on what we know, it looks to me like 
it's a hybrid. Observation number three, officials seem overly keen to declare EVs not guilty. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting pretty sick of government ministers and their senior bureaucrats implying, and in some cases lying, about lithium-ion battery technology being so allegedly frickin' safe. Every new technology carries with it salient risks. And we need to man up about them, surely, and agree on a set of facts about risk and implement effective countermeasures so that we can all live in relative safety with this shiny new tech. And let's be clear on this. There's a big difference between the battery in your mobile phone and the battery in your car. When a mobile phone battery has a meltdown, we're talking about something like 10 watt hours of energy, small amount of energy and a small amount of battery chemistry. If a power tool battery does a luton in the cab of your ute, it is going to be a pop culture thing, dude. We're talking about maybe 100 watt hours. Let's ballpark it at that. If a Range Rover Evoque Hybrid does a luton, it's 15,000 watt hours. That's a lot. So it's roughly equivalent to 150 power tool batteries or 1,500 smartphones all defecating in their trousers in unison after rather a potent vindaloo. And a full EV is probably in the ballpark of five times bigger than that, potentially. So if a phone or a power tool battery does a luton, it's a small amount of battery chemistry that gets exhausted pretty quickly, and indeed that might well lead to a much bigger but conventional car fire. But at least you can fight that sort of thing conventionally, right? When the fireys roll up, we're talking about a conventional fire that was sparked by a small battery. However, if a hybrid or a full EV does the same thing, it's an unconventional fire that burns hotter, faster and longer and cannot be fought conventionally. And that's the problem we need to adapt to as a civilization. Observation number four. I love this one. The car park had no friggin' sprinkler system. Incredible, I know. People expect that there are all kinds of regulations in place everywhere to protect us at all times. And often this is simply not the case. People generally build car parks to a minimum regulatory standard. So this is pretty obviously some kind of regulatory failure. Apparently in Bedfordshire, and probably elsewhere in the UK, you can spend £20 million renovating a car park just four years ago. And there's no building code regulation requiring the installation of a sprinkler system. Like, what good would that do? I don't think we need one, Trev, kind of thing. Well done, British civil engineering regulations. I freaking salute you from your former convict colony. In light of recent events, however, perhaps a building code amendment might be warranted. The Luton Amendment might be an appropriate name. Mr Hopkinson, from whom we heard earlier from the fiery, busily exonerating EVs, said that had the car park been equipped with a sprinkler system, this, quote, may have made a positive impact on the incident. Dude. 
And that's clearly why they pay him the big bucks, right? It's that spooky ability to join the dots, more formally referred to perhaps as deductive reasoning. Observation number five. Those Range Rover shitboxes have form in this area. Range Rovers catch fire, dude. They're extremely good at it. Land Rover knows this is a problem, of course, and they either cannot or do not do anything about it. A hybrid rangy hilariously caught fire while driving in the Netherlands in March this year. That was about a year after Lauren Griffith's Range Rover Velar caught fire in her driveway in Carmarthenshire, which also burnt the front of the house in a fairly significant way for added drama and entertainment. That was about a year after a rangy went full luton here in the cultural wasteland of Shitsville on the Gore Hill Freeway. Yes, I really enjoyed that one. Hashtag national pride. We burn rages too. Oi, oi, oi. Those unparalleledly capable shitboxes should, in my estimation, come with monogrammed asbestos underwear. I'd wear that with pride. Last year, a woman named Sammy Edwards was forced to jump out of the window when her Range Rover exploded. Apparently, the doors would not unlock, which is a bit Hal 9000 when you think about it. Must have been fun, too, in the circumstances. Smoke billowing up from under the dash kind of thing. She suffered broken ribs and smoke inhalation, but if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, so she'd be pretty frickin' strong by now, I'd suggest. We could do this all day. August the 16th, for example. Range Rover Luton candles itself in a country lane in North Staffordshire. Dude, this airport car park isn't even a Land Rover infrastructure destruction record. In 2017, a Land Rover caught fire and burnt out 1,600 vehicles in the Echo Arena car park in the ancestral home of the Beatles, Liverpool. I'm seeing urgent crisis meetings at the highest level in Solihull. Are our exquisite shitboxes losing their destructive potential? Kind of thing. What can be done to make this right? Catching fire is one of those endlessly engaging surprise and delight features ingrained in the Range Rover mystique. It's deep in the vehicle's DNA, dude. I look at it as a kind of hidden benefit. It's a breadth of capability thing. Like, there's no way some Yaris could take down a 20 million pound car park and inconvenience 50,000 people. That would be unthinkable. This is a real marketing opportunity for Land Rover. At least it is in my estimation. I can't wait for the Range Rover Luton limited edition. It's two-tone, orange over charcoal grey. And then the Range Rover Pyro. The Range Rover Crema. Or perhaps even the Range Rover Clave. Available in auto only, obviously. Pioneering innovation, visceral, dynamic, uncompromising, sophisticated, elegance, captivating character, Combustotronic Pro Plus Max 2000. These are certainly the kinds of marketing buzzwords that light my green oval fire, dude. <laughs>
I'm going to throw in another one here, observation number six. The media and the public is freaking obsessed with the cause of fires, and it's not as relevant as you think. Don't get me wrong, the cause of a fire matters, especially if it yields information about how better to prevent the next one, such as by parking all Range Rovers 1,000 metres away from anything that might even vaguely have the chance of one day burning. But the bigger issue is fires are going to continue to occur, right? All cars are full of crap that burns, like they're a recipe for fire. You've got all the ingredients. They just need to be assembled in the right order. So car park fires are going to keep happening. And as the proliferation of EVs continues on the road to electric utopia, those fires are going to get harder to fight. The fire then spread as a number of electric vehicles burst into flames, one firefighter suggested. That is an unnamed firefighter's account reported in the Daily Mail from the UK yesterday. This is just a fact, okay? And you electric utopians, you don't have to like it. Facts don't care if you like them. Fires in car parks are more likely to be more severe in future as the density of EVs among us increases, irrespective of the cause of those fires. Our challenge as an advanced technical society is to refrain from joining one tribe or the other and all going to war. EVs versus ICE ever so slightly childish, don't you think? There are better things to fight over than powertrain technology, surely. Like, is this really the hill that you want to live and die on? It would be lovely instead, I think, to figure out appropriate countermeasures and just implement the shit out of them so that these kinds of incidents don't keep costing us millions in avoidable damage, and even worse, potentially turning into mass casualty events and major hazmat problems in our densely populated cities. Now, before I let you go, here's some actionable advice about an event that is doubtless coming soon to a city near you. If you enter a car park, just make sure you identify the nearest exits because there might only be the briefest window to effect an escape should Luton 2.0 kick off without warning. And dude, it's always going to be without warning because... That's how these things happen. If you are in an enclosed space, and if it fills up with thick, choking smoke, hit the deck, dude, get low, and crawl on your hands and knees if needs must. There's generally a far greater chance of breathable air down low. And you've got to talk to the kids about this one too, because they might be out, and you might not be around, unthinkably enough, and this could happen around them. They have to know what to do. Despite the visual compelling aspect of events such as this, do not stand there like some freaking plonker intent on filming the whole exciting spectacle with your smartphone. This is a potentially life-threatening event, dude. And you're not a citizen journalist, or at least on this one, you don't have to be one. Your function is simply to escape, not get injured, and live. Do not waste valuable time that you could otherwise devote to a perfectly serviceable escape from all of that toxic shit. If you find yourself in an open space and there are cars on fire and you don't know if they're combustion or electric, whatever... Head upwind. If the smoke is coming straight for you, move to the side first, several metres, and then head upwind. Do not put yourself in that toxic cloud. 
Like if you're at the scene of a car crash and the fire occurs, you've got to be mindful of where the smoke is traveling and end up in a place that it's not going to. Make every effort not to breathe that hazmat crap. If you are driving along one day without a friggin' care in the world and suddenly you become aware that your car has caught fire while it's in motion, it might be a really good idea to do this. And you've got to bear in mind that people often become aware of this problem only when motive power is lost. Like the accelerator seems not to be working all of a sudden. You look up in the revision mirror and there's a big cloud of James Bond smoke behind you. And the reason you're so late in becoming aware is because you've been leaving all the smoke behind by virtue of your forward progress. So rapidly identify a safe nearby spot to stop and quite important, get there without crashing. When you get out, don't forget first to apply the handbrake, okay? Then when you're out, do a head count, so important. Make sure everyone is out of the car. That's a real priority, and I would argue something that you really, really don't want to fuck up. Then you've got to all move together out of the path of the smoke and away from nearby moving vehicles. And bear in mind, it's so hard to think clearly in a stressful situation because the way we're wired, your IQ takes a little holiday in circumstances such as those. This nearby traffic is gonna pose a very real hazard to you outside the vehicle. A lot of those drivers, they're just not going to be devoting sufficient attention to driving because they're all gonna be rubbernecking the entertainment that you've provided. And you really don't wanna be standing in a spot where they might hit you if they go slightly off course and maybe clean up you or the missus or the kiddies or something unfortunate of that nature, turning a bad day even worse. And when you're all safe, preferably 50 to 100 meters away from the fire, good time to call emergency services. Don't forget that batteries in particular can build up sort of enormous pressure inside them during a thermal runaway and this can throw fireballs and shrapnel rather a long way, so best not be close by. And do not be tempted to approach the car even if the fire appears to have gone out. The battery could easily still be running away thermally, building up immense pressure and evolving itself into an ersatz hand grenade. Remain at a safe distance, dude, and let the fire brigade handle it. It's got me absolutely fucked why there is not a public education campaign about all of this, given the number of fires we've seen recently. Like, this is playing Russian roulette over and over and over and over, and just hoping that the hammer comes down on an empty chamber all the time, in the context of human injury and suffering, isn't it? This is one of the great failures of leadership currently, which is what happens, I suppose, when you get washed up lawyer assholes running the show. We sometimes call these people politicians. The last thing low rent attention seeking shitheads of this parliamentary predisposition want is an inconvenient speed hump made of facts to interrupt progress on the superhighway to electric utopia.